Welcome to Finish Well Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing your home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Travel the Netherlands with me, episode 202. And wow, I can't believe that we are going to the Netherlands. I'm so excited. I went to the Netherlands in 2011, but I just finished up a unit study, Travel to the Netherlands Unit Study, and it was so fun to do. I thought, I've just got to do a podcast on this. This is so fun. There's so many neat things going on in the Netherlands from years ago, and even currently, um, they're in the news today. So... Um, let me just say this. The Netherlands is a plucky little nation in Northern Europe. It has a fascinating history. And when I think of the Netherlands, I think of windmills and tulips and wooden shoes and pretty blue and white porcelain. They call Delft. And all of that's true. I saw windmills and tulips and wooden shoes and pretty blue and white porcelain. But there's so many other things, too. The Dutch people are friendly, they're industrious, they're thrifty, they're hardworking, and they're very, very tall. In fact, they are the tallest people in the world. And their characters, even to this day, have been molded by the Reformation, yes, back in the 15-1600s, and the challenges they face by living below sea level. So are you ready? Get your passports, get your plane ticket, and we are going to get on board and we're going to head across the Atlantic Ocean and we are going to touch down in Amsterdam and visit the Netherlands. Now, if you live in Europe, it's probably quicker to drive or take a train, but here in America, it's definitely quicker to fly. And I'm so excited because we're flying on KLM Airlines, and it happens to be the oldest airlines in the world that's still in existence. Um, They started in uh, 1920, and they're beautiful, uh, blue and white airlines, and um, just such sweet people. Anyway, we are going to jump in. We, I'm going to do three podcasts on, on the Netherlands. So we've landed. We've got our baggage. One of the things I noticed right away <laughs> when we landed in the Netherlands is they don't really, you know, they don't do a lot of checking your baggage and stuff like that. They're very much personal freedom people. And um, that's something that we'll talk about more um, in part two and their government and things like that. But I mentioned their character was forged by the Reformation, and that I'll talk about in the next uh, two podcasts. But they also, their character has been forged by the challenges of living below sea level. And what do I mean by that? Well, they have had a never-ending battle with holding back the sea. And they have used dikes and canals and dams and pumping stations. But their whole life has revolved around the sea. The sea has helped them produce wealth with fishing with traveling all over the world for trade. Through traveling all over the world with trade, they ended up in the 16 and 1700s with many colonies, um, some of which they held onto until the 1900s. 
and they the sea has helped them prosper so they love the sea and the sea has also fiercely attacked their fragile land with storms and with flooding so what is the problem where the sea is such a big deal for the netherlands well, the Netherlands is very low. In fact, Netherlands means lowlands and it's very flat. There, there are a few little hills, but really it's pretty flat. And here's something more. Almost half of their land is below sea level. So if you can even imagine how hard that would be, it's like, do you remember Hurricane Katrina? It just smashed into New Orleans. Why did it hit New Orleans so bad? Because New Orleans is below sea level, and even though they have a set of levees and things like that, they couldn't withstand a storm of the caliber of Katrina. So that is what the Netherlands face. They're just think of of um, New Orleans and how low-lying it is, and that's how low-lying the Netherlands is. And so when a storm comes. It just washes away their land. Now, I mentioned windmills at the beginning, um, but, and we'll talk about them later in this podcast, but that is one reason the windmills um, were invented and they have helped drain the lowlands. So the windmills, they work by wind power, but they help to drain out the lowlands. So um, one of the things that um that has happened was the really bad flood of 1953 it came in and it killed many many people and so they have learned to do something and i'm going to talk about this i'm going to talk about canals and things like that but first i want to tell you they do use a system called poldering to build land so i know we all talk about dubai and united arab emigrant emirates and they have built islands in the sea and over in washington state in the us they built island an island in the sea but but long before that way way back <laughs> The Dutch have started building up land in the sea. So if you if you looked at a map in my unit study, I show families two maps and the one on the right shows the Netherlands today and the one on the left shows the Netherlands if they had not built their dikes, their ditches, their canals. It's basically it was underwater and they built up that land. And so how. They have done that by building a series of seawalls and a series of canals. And um, they also use, um, they've also, one of the things, oh, wow, and I have a, um, I have a link in the show notes. If you want to get a bird's eye view of the Dutch Delta Works, it is absolutely amazing. This is just a drone video. And you can just fly over and see that. But that's the first place we're going to head. We're going to go to Zealand. Now, you hear Zealand and you probably right away think of New Zealand. Yes, New Zealand was discovered by the Dutch. They were the first Europeans to, to go there. And it is named after this part of the country. Zealand. Zealand's right on the water, a lot of mar- water, marshy land, and then also they have a lot of farmland there because, as you can imagine, all this land that is sometimes flooded by the sea or was flooded under the sea, 
very, very, very rich farmland. And I'll talk about this again, but did you know the Netherlands, besides the United States, they are the largest exporters of food in the entire world. Now, you just take a map of Europe and look how tiny the Netherlands is. The Netherlands is a tiny, tiny nation, but they are such hard workers, and they're so smart. They just come up with the most efficient, best way to do things. And so... The Z-Land is very easily flooded. So what they did is they built this massive thing called the Delta Works. And it um, basically, it's an opening. So it creates and closes off a large tidal inlet. And an inlet is an opening in the shoreline where water penetrates the land. It's usually connected to, it usually connects an ocean to a bay or an ocean to a marsh or an ocean to a lagoon. And so they're common all over the world. And in an inlet, waves can get really choppy. It can, you know, it's, it's a pretty, there's an inlet over by us from the ocean over to the intercoastal waterway. It's near the beach I go to a lot. And the waves are really big in there. So anyway, they built this big, huge um, dam, and it is created to drain areas that flood regularly. So it helps to drain the water out. It protects Rotterdam from flooding. And the reason that is so important is because Rotterdam is actually um, a port that is on the North Sea. And rivers like the Rhine River flows up from Switzerland through Germany, and a lot of ships, a lot of shipping. Rotterdam is one of the biggest ports in the whole world. So if that would be flooding, they would lose so much money. People would lose their ships. It would be really bad. It also protects the land from getting brackish. Now, brackish water is when salt water meets fresh water. It gets brackish, but you don't want that kind of water. If you're farming, you don't want even a little bit of salt water watering your crops. And it also decreases the shoreline. So instead of the more shoreline that you have, the more you have to be careful of flooding. So I'm going to let you research the Delta Works, but look it up. It's an amazing thing. It's an engineering marvel. And it's like so many other things they have done before. It's done a great job protecting this below-the-sea-level country. Now, one of the biggest ways that they control um, the water issue is by canals. And one of the first things we're noticing, we're traveling in the Netherlands, we're visiting Delft, we're visiting Amsterdam, we're visiting Harlem, where Corrie Boom lives, we're visiting um, all kinds of places. And we notice right away there's so many canals, and the roads are actually next to the canal. Yes, because in the old days, a lot of the canals were used as roads, and people used boats. In fact, people still live in houseboats there along the canals, and some people still use boats to get around. But you could definitely get around the Netherlands in canals, because just like most countries have a road system, the Netherlands has a canal system. Now, I live in Florida, and Florida's low-lying, and so when 
builders decide they're going to build um, a housing, a, a suburb, a housing project, then the first thing they have to do is dig a drainage ditch. And then they dig canals. So there's a lot of canals in Florida, not as many as in the Netherlands, but still we have our share. And so I'm kind of used to that. But I'm not used to how the canals are used in the Netherlands because in Florida, they are just drainage ditches. It's not not like you see a lot of boats. I mean, yes, the intercoastal waterway is a big canal, and you see a lot of boats in that. But most canals, you know, they're just kind of small. And but these canals are big. They're wide enough for for boats, very large boats, even for houseboats. People live on the sides of them, and so the canals, like in Amsterdam, they built three big canals, and then. So they were coming out from the center of the city, and then there's this canal going across, connecting them. And very and, and canal houses on the size of the canals, these beautiful townhomes that are connected to each other, and each of them is unique and beautiful. It's just kind of what you think about when you think of the Netherlands, those houses on the canals, very, very beautiful. So anyway, the Dutch built ditches and canals, and they drained the water. So if it rains a lot, if there's a storm, there's a place for the water to go. And of course, they build up on the side um, a wall of protection. So that it it really does, for the most part, especially inland, protect the land. So canals, their canals are used for irrigation drainage and transportation. So if farmers need water for their crops or animals, they just get water from the canals. When rains come down or floods come up, rains came down and floods came up. That's exactly what happens. You know, we always sang that song in Sunday school, but it's the truth. Rains come down and floods come up, especially if you're low-lying. And so the canals catch the extra water. But Dutch life revolves around these canals, fishing, boating, skating in the winter, traveling by boat, and living in the houseboats. Um, there's a holiday in April called King's Day, and on King's Day, they celebrate their monarch. And one of the things they do is they all wear orange because their their monarchy is the House of Orange. And they have all these canal boat parades, and everyone's out in their boats wearing orange and eating orange food. It's really kind of fun. But again, so much of life happens in their canals, and it's just very much the center of so many things. One of my favorite museums that we visited was the Rijksmuseum, and we got we. In fact, let's visit it right now. If we go to the Rijksmuseum, we can see Vermeer and um, France House, and especially Rembrandt. So many paintings by these famous. Baroque artists, and it's just incredible. Well, you can actually get there from the canal, or of course you can go by land. So it's just fascinating. And um, another thing that you have with a lot of canals is you have to have locks. Now, if you and I were hiking through the mountains, we would have to climb uphill and downhill and uphill and downhill. So when a river goes from a high place to a low place in, the, in nature, there's a waterfall. But you really don't want a waterfall in a canal. So they have a special way to get from high ground to low ground or low ground to high ground. And these are called locks. And a lock raises and lowers 
boats and ships between stretches of water at different levels. So if a boat is coming in low and it needs to go high, it goes into this lock. The lock closes up, fills with water, lifting the boat up. Then it opens on the other side and sends the boat out. And of course, going from high to low is exactly the opposite. One of the things we do in my unit study is we make a model of how a lock works. And um, there are all kinds of different locks, but this is just basic. And we use milk cartons. And it's really easy and really fun. And it really helps kids get it of how locks work. So that is super, super, super fun. That is really something that we love. Now... When my father took me on a, when my father um, went on a business trip to Holland, he brought me back some wooden shoes. And so I want to talk about wooden shoes, windmills, and bikes. And (laughs) those are just something that we're going to see a lot of as we go through. Not as many the wooden shoes on people's feet, although some people still wear them, but um, wooden shoes are all over souvenirs, like you just have to pick up a set of wooden shoes. So um, let me tell you how they came to be, because I think it's very, very interesting. So wooden shoes or clopen. Now, we, when I was in high school, clogs were really important popular. And I had a pair of of wooden clogs, and they were very similar to these Dutch wooden shoes. And so they go back all the way to the 1200s. That would be the 13th century. And by the late 1500s, there was a guild of clog makers in Holland. So, you know, this was a very big thing, the wooden shoes. Well, the fishermen, the factory workers, artists, and builders, these clogs with the wooden wooden bottom protected their feet from nails from sharp tools because nothing could penetrate these wooden shoes so they could wear them to garden fishermen would wear them on their boats and um, factory workers wouldn't step on something dangerous so um there's a lot of gardeners and farmers who still wear them in the countryside but most people don't necessarily wear them anymore but like i said you can get a lot of mementos are little wooden clogs from the Netherlands. So as we're just walking through the cities and looking around, you are probably noticing all of the bicycles. Yes. The Dutch ride bikes to work. They ride bikes to the supermarket and they go on bicycle hikes for fun. It's a great way to stay healthy. <laughs> and They don't have a bike lane. They have bike lanes, and I mean lots of them. When we were walking around when we first got to the Netherlands, I almost got ran over by a bike several times. They have the right-of-way in so many situations, and they are fast. It's just a good zip, 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 and, you know, my husband would constantly have to say, watch out, honey, and pull me out of the way. So they even have little bells that they let you know if they're going to pass you, and um, if you ride at night, they have little lights, which, of course, we have in America, too. But if you decide to ride a bike in the Netherlands, make sure you lock up your bike. Because just like in the U.S., people still bikes there, too. And um, like I said, 
everyone has them. There's places to park your bike, just like we have parking places. And so it's, it's really, it's, it's really neat, honestly, to see that. So another thing is the windmills. The windmills are such a special part of the Netherlands and they date back to the 1100s. They are, um, they're windmills that are built that were built in the 1500s. So think of that. That's 500 years ago. They're still in use, which I think is absolutely amazing. So these things are sturdy, well-built. And the oldest windmills were used to pump water from the land to a river or to grind grain. So there were flour mills or they were, you know, pumping water out, which we I talked about that earlier, getting rid of the extra water. Um, windmills were used for that. And you can change the direction of the blades when the wind shifts. So... There's a tower that's made of stone or concrete or steel, and it should be as tall as the diameter of the circle its blades make while they're rotating. So does that make sense? So you've got a tower, and it's pretty tall, and then you've got these blades that come out. They're hollow and light and strong. So it's an aerodynamic-type shape, just like airplane wings are. So when the wind blows, the blades spin, and they create kinetic energy, and then the blades rotate to move the drive shaft, and that moves the gears and milestones. Well, you can watch a video and find out how all that works. But as you go through... Whether you're on a tour boat with me and the canals or whether we're riding a bike, which I am a little nervous about riding a bike here, or if we're just walking around, we are going to see a lot of windmills. We're going to see tulips everywhere. They're so beautiful. And because, of course, you know, it, we're going at the right time when they're all in bloom, we're going to see um, people riding their bikes and we are going to meet people who are so friendly and most of them speak English. Now they have, of course, their Dutch accent. So sometimes it's really hard to understand them, but we are really going to have fun. And the last place that I want to take you is to Delft. Delft is a pretty little town. Of course, all the picturesque um, waterways and canals. But one of the things, there's two things about Delft. I'm going to um, talk to you next week about William the Silent. He is from Delft, and there's a museum there for him that we can visit. And also because William the Silent, who is sort of the founder of the House of Orange, he is um, buried here in, I think, I believe it's New Church. There's old church and there's new church, and they're both amazing to see. But he is buried there, and the whole royal family is actually buried in Delft. And so it's really special. But also, this is where they sell the special blue and white porcelain that they call Delft. And um, it's so beautiful. And we can go to a factory, and if we sign up early enough, we can actually – have a class and learn how to pour the pottery and things like that. But it's absolutely beautiful to walk through the museum and see the Delft tiles and like kitchen setup that everything is the Delft tile and um, the pottery and all that stuff. It's really, really beautiful. So I hope you've enjoyed our 
first visit to the Netherlands. We have two more coming, and I'm really excited. Next week, we're going to take a whirlwind tour through history, and we're going to look mainly at the Golden Age. Uh, the Dutch Golden Age, and also Tulip Mania, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, but we're going to talk about that next time. And I really want to encourage you, grab my unit study, Travel to the Netherlands, and take four weeks and explore this country. There's writing assignments, there's reading, there is all kinds of craft projects, there's art appreciation, there's history, there's geography, and I think you'll really enjoy it as a family. It's such a fun place to study. So thank you again for joining me. Have an awesome, wonderful day, and I can't wait to see you next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.